Well, let's get into this. You know that uh, I have been, uh, over the last 11 days, inviting on a uh, daily basis, um, uh, much to the annoyance of some people. I'm a little surprised at some of the people in our community who are are not able to um, understand the importance of staying on top of the governor of the state of New York on the issue of summer camps. The last 11 days, I've been publicly... um, uh, inviting the, the the governor, inviting the governor to come on and to speak about the uh, the summer camp decision, and uh, the op ed that I wrote that was published um, uh, certainly was a clear cut document outlining those questions that I would respectfully uh, ask and the questions that I would use. So it's not like there are any gotcha questions; they're all there uh, in a conversation with the governor. But he has not yet responded, as we know, and we'll see how long. Well, could some, some people have suggested that we should continue to campaign until I broadcast from an empty Camp Missouri. That's what people have suggested, that we should go up to camp and and show everybody, including the governor, tag him on all the, the videos of the facilities that are not being used and how much fun, how much um, summer pleasure, and how much education, frankly, um, that campers could have gotten uh, in camp this summer. Uh, so if we do do that uh, eventually with Camp Misoru, we may actually end the campaign there. Anyway, Avi Shik, who's representing the Jewish camps and parents who've sued the governor of the state of New York and at one time was a, was deputy attorney general of the state of New York, is with us live via telephone. Avi Shik, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, I'm a little perturbed because... Uh, here it is. The governor gets the questions in advance, and, and yet I don't. Why, <laughs> well, why is that? Well, if you read the op-ed, you'll see exactly why. We we addressed that at the very beginning of the article. That was that was a great way to start, Avi. All right, so who's in the lawsuit? Is it, in fact, a collection of summer camps, including my dear friends at the beloved Camp Missora and some parents who uh, are frustrated by the fact that the governor has ruled there'll be no overnight camping in New York this season? Yes, we have uh, five different plaintiffs. There are four parents who, um, whose desire is to send their kids to uh, to overnight camp in in New York this summer, and we also have what's known as AJCO, the Association of Jewish Camp Operators. It's a coalition of um, dozens and dozens of of Jewish camps that operate in New York, and uh, they operate they come together under that umbrella um, to deal with uh, issues of common concern, uh, including most prominently this year. Uh, their ability to uh, open now, uh, and and you say dozens. I mean, it's it's not a stretch to say there's between fifty and a hundred in that group. Yeah, I think it's uh, even more somewhere right in between there. I think that's right. right. Um, all right, so let's start with this. Here's what the average guy uh, has learned since you started the lawsuit. Apparently, this case, and again, you know, I don't know the legalese. You do. This case won't be heard or won't be decided or the hearing has been pushed off until we keep hearing September. With that in mind, that there's now this delay, is it impossible for any legal matter, any legal means to reopen those summer camps? Uh, that, that's a misunderstanding. I know every, every, every uh, you know, Jewish uh, child is, uh, is half a lawyer, and so <laughs> um, everybody knows what they're doing. But no, the, the, the reality is um, that you know, the, the schedule is not set. What, what people, I guess, are referring to is that automatically when you initiate a lawsuit, there is a uh, computer-driven schedule that uh, would apply in the normal course. Um, in fact, we, we intend um, in a little over an hour from now, an hour and a half from now, 
to file um, papers seeking a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction, and, and that will you know, get us before the judge uh, sooner. We have a proposed schedule for the judge that uh, hopefully will get us heard this week. We, have no, we, you know, we won't know for sure what the judge says about that um, until uh, a little bit later this morning. But, but certainly the, uh, the computer-generated, okay, they have normally you know, 30 days to answer and so on and so forth, and so we'll have a preliminary conference in, in you know, some period of time is, is not um, really anything to, to be concerned about. Well, just for that alone, I'm glad I brought you on this morning for that clarification because I know despondent staff members and despondent campers of Camp Missoura who now are going to believe, based on your words, rightfully, that there is hope, that there is still a possibility. Avi Shik is with us live via telephone. Now, if this would happen, if you and, and again, it's not fair to ask you for a prediction, but I don't want people to think that this is a shot in the dark. I don't want people to think that this is you know a needle in a haystack, a one in a million possibility. This is real, right? What, what, what could happen in the next 48 hours is a real possibility of what you just described. Yeah, now, it, it probably won't, you know, the, the chances of getting a decision you know, or even a full hearing um, in front of the judge in 48 hours is less likely, but to, to get heard this week is something that we're hopeful about. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a serious lawsuit. Um, we have serious claims. We've put our arguments uh, um, together and, and put them forward before the judge, and I think the best manner possible. Um, you, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where the judge's mind is at. Sometimes judges are, are deferential or too deferential to government. Right. You know, I guess in my eight, ten years in government, I didn't see it that way. But uh, where I sit now, um, you know, we're hoping for an independent-minded uh, judge who will just look, you know, at the facts as uh, as they are. And uh, if, if if he does that, I think that, you know, we have a, a serious shot here. Is it helpful, Avi Shik is with us, is it helpful for your case, for the parents' case, for the camp's case, everybody together, is it helpful that the governor has decided that day camps can open? I, I think it certainly is. Most people, just as a matter of, of common sense, um, put aside the doctors who, you know, are supporting uh, the, the plan that the overnight camps put together. But as a matter of common sense, people are, are scratching their head because all we've heard about for the last several months, obviously, is the bubble and staying inside your bubble. And overnight camps offer a, uh, a, a bubble of, uh, of campers and, and staff, you know, secluded from, from anybody outside. Um, and, you know, by contrast, day camps, you know, you'll have 10 kids to a bunk, let's say, and they'll spend their eight or 10 hours together in day camp. And then they go, each of them, each of those campers goes home at night and interacts with their friends, their neighbors, their relatives, storekeepers, whatnot, and and then they all we congregate the next day, and so it would seem that the chance of of spreading infection, the the, the chance of bringing something from outside camp into camp and then spreading it, um, and conversely, catching something in camp and then spreading it um, among those with whom you spend time at night after camp is is far greater than you know the risk in an overnight camp. Uh, Avi Shik is with us, and uh, the way I've seen some of the camps um, uh, uh, behave over the last few months, the way they've started to, and really not just started, but but came up with a, with almost a final plan of how to deal with all this, if the parents would cooperate, and I know that sometimes that's a big if in our community, but one would have to suspect that in this case everybody would be on their best behavior to cooperate. If every family would cooperate, then the camps would really have the environment that you just described, and if, God forbid... If, God forbid, someone did get sick, obviously 
uh, the, the the option I would guess would be to you know to have have them picked up and taken home because I think one of the one of the things that that the government has said they are concerned about is what this might do to the healthcare system in the cities where the camps are holding their program. Avi, wouldn't you agree that the directors you've spoken to are, were ready with a plan to make sure that anybody who needed to be quarantined in camp, or if the case was more serious, needed to go home, in fact, would be able to? Absolutely. The uh, the, the camp operators, you know, were working on this uh, certainly as, as early as April, maybe late March. And, you know, it was put together really under the auspices of the camp operators, but, you know, they brought in an entire team of infectious diseases specialists, other doctors, you know, health professionals um, who guided them in, in, in terms of formulating the policies and the guidelines and the protocols that they were willing to adopt. And it, it wasn't something put together in the afternoon. It was the product of, of a lot of serious thought by yep. very serious people. Yep. And people, parents, and campers, frankly, uh, staff members as well, came up with really good recommendations over these couple of months that were incorporated. A lot of people you know, realized it was a good idea when so many people were on the same page of certain things. I'm telling you, everybody out there, you don't realize the preparation that's gone into this, the thought that's gone into this to make sure that the summer camps could open, uh, the overnight camps could open safely. And unfortunately, in New York State, that's not happening. Avi, um, one of the fr- there are a couple of frustrating things here. In addition to the whole day camp, overnight camp uh, uh, discussion, um, you might recall that uh, early on, or certainly earlier than now, in this whole uh, reopening discussion, it wasn't a reopening process yet; it was a discussion. Uh, the governor of New York had formed some type of alliance, Northeast Governors, I think he referred to it, uh, where seven states were working together so that reopening would happen together, and you wouldn't have a situation, this is what the governor had said, he did this in order to avoid a situation where people would go from one state to another state to take advantage of a service or some type of program that's already open. Since that day, I think everything has gone in completely the opposite direction. Different cities and and regions, even in our own state, are in different phases. So in theory, if I wanted to get a haircut last week in you know, and I'm living in New York City, I would in fact travel to a different country county in New York State. And obviously, many states, as we see between beach situations and many others, are completely off kilter in terms of some type of coordinated schedule. This is what we are seeing now with summer camps. Those that were scheduled to open in New York State, like my beloved Camp Missora, now are seriously considering going to places like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and otherwise in order to open their program. That, to me, is very frustrating when the whole effort was supposed to be implemented to avoid this type of situation. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, it's certainly one of the curiosities here. Um, One is hard-pressed to find a consistent sort of thought or or philosophy or or policy that that seems to guide things. And so, you know, I think think what, you know, um, what makes people most frustrated, of course, is the fact that um, a couple of weeks ago when the the protests really gathered ahead of steam um, after the killing of George Floyd, and it's understandable, but the, the governor and other political leaders in New York, um, who were sympathetic to the, you know, the uh, the issue that the protesters were bringing to the forefront, um, they, they they encouraged it, despite the fact that you were talking about tens and many tens of thousands of people who were congregating without any of the social distancing that we're hearing about for weeks and months, and and, and the elect, our elected officials were quite clear that they were, in a sense, suspending, right, the. Uh, um, 
all those, uh, you know, Policies, health guidelines yeah. that we had heard about for, for so many weeks. And they were doing so because they were in allegiance with the protesters. And, you know, that's, that's fine, but you don't get to pick and choose among the First Amendment rights that you like and, and, and those that you agree with or those that you respect or those that you want to promote get one set of rules and those that, you know, are not, you know, favored get another set of rules. That, that, that doesn't work, right? That's not, you know, a neutral standard. That's a double standard. 100%. That's the way it seems, certainly. Uh, also, I, and, and again, if you tell me that this is not the proper forum for you to address this, I'll accept that. Uh, but we've been told, we've been told by many of our leaders, especially the ones in New York City and New York State, that only truth, facts, and science will guide their decisions when it comes to what does reopen, what doesn't reopen, and when. And and I, I again, I don't know if it's something you can address, but I, I suspect that there might be, even though they've declared that politics will never enter into these decisions, I suspect there might be a drop of politics that's gone into this formula. Anything you want to say about that? Yeah, here's the way I look at it. I, I don't know what what's in someone's mind sort of consciously, but um, what I do see here, and frankly, um, it, it's something that, that you know, plagues us um, in, in so many different areas is, right, we live at a time and a place where religion is, is out of favor. And what what happens then is, you know, if, if, if government, which controls so much of our lives, right, if, if they're looking at, at any risk assessment, right, and they say on, on, on the one side of the scale, they put, um, here's a potential for something to happen, some harm, right. something bad. Right. And the other side of the scale, they put religion. Well, they don't give any weight to religion, right? It's not something that they value. Right. So, you know, in their mind, there's no, you know, any potential risk is uh, outweighs the benefit um, because religious practice is, is not meaningful. And, and government's not supposed to do that. And, you know, uh, for, for us, for our community, right, you know, camp is, is, is not only a, a great place to, to make friends and to get out of the city, it's an educational tool, right? right? We have uh, the kids learn there, and, and, and sometimes they thrive in, in ways that they can't even do in school. Right. Um, you know, how, how people come to appreciate Tefillah, how people come to appreciate Shabbos, how, how many of us, you know, still think, you know, when, when we're at our own Shabbos table with our own families, with our own children, yeah. right? Our, our, our Shabbos meals, our, our, our Zmiros, are really driven by the experiences that we had in camp. Right. And so, but they don't see it that way. So, so we see the great benefit and, and therefore, we bring in infectious diseases doctors to say, okay, how can we maintain this benefit, you know, in the in the healthiest, safest way? Mm-hmm. Government just says, well, there might be a risk, and any risk outweighs the benefit because we can't, we don't value the benefit. And I think that that's a real, real problem in, in the society we live in. Right. And unfortunately, it's just getting worse. Right. It, it's the old, you know, just to save one life. And I'm not minimizing one life, but this attitude of just to save one life has kept our our stores and livelihoods for a lot of people, you know, closed for a very, very long time. Again, not minimizing the importance of life, but the balance is simply not there. And um, and and by the way, uh, that that might also be um, it may also be appropriate to mention that the the governor, and this is something I would ask him, of course, as I mentioned in the op-ed, uh, the governor said he would not send his own kids to summer camp this summer. Since when do we decide public policy? based on what one person, no matter what their position, would or would not do. You know, if we decided public policy, 
uh, on on the experiences of of one family or one individual, then basically every murderer would be you know given capital punishment because that's what every family would vote for who's lost somebody at the hands of a murderer. Uh, but we don't do that. We don't arrange public policy uh, based on the experiences or the attitudes or the opinions of one person or one family. Um, that, that, that's exactly, especially when it comes to our constitutional rights. Right. Right. It, what we can't have is that you know it, 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 the, the um, what the governor is doing is you know he's he's using a very narrow lens of personal preference or personal experience, and th- that's just not the way to view you know um, our ability to exercise our rights to exercise. Um, our constitutional rights as parents, as as Jews, as believers, um, who who say this is how we want to raise our children. We want, especially this year, right? Especially this year, where no one's been in the classroom for three months, right? Um, more than three months, and phys- um, and physical activity, to, and physical activity, something just to run around sure. a little bit. They've been in their house for three and a half months. <laughs> a- absolutely. I mean, listen, you know, if you think about so many other things in society, whether it's you know. Right, you know, organized sports. Most of our, most of our yeshiva schools, right, don't don't have football teams. Right, they don't travel, you know, all over the state. Right, for for organized sports activities and leagues. Tournaments. So number one, this gives us the ability to do that. But, but think about it the other way. You know, unfortunately, one reads about you know accidents and injuries, serious injuries, right? You know, in in in, in larger society, right, in, in in organized sports among youth. And and of course, what does government do there? They try to find the right balance between figuring out best way to protect health and safety while promoting that activity Correct. right you know god forbid when you when, when, when a kid gets seriously hurt in in team sports in, in in a public high school or when you know and you see this unfortunately too often when you know there's some accident because you know the team van is coming back late at night they don't close that they don't just say okay no more sports right. no more team sports of course um and here unfortunately they're saying no more camp yeah uh, all right, Avi, I know you got to go, but last question. Uh, when can we expect, and I don't mean us here at, at the broadcast. There are other ways, I know, to disseminate information as well. When will we as a community here? I- I'm desperate for my beloved Camp Missora to open up in its location in Guilford, New York. When's the next time we'll hear something? Based on what you told us earlier, it sounds like by the end of this week, we very well might have some information. What can you tell us about a timetable? Well, as I said, we're, we're going to file papers in a little over an hour from now. Um, they, um, they they seek a TRO. They put to, they put forward in the most comprehensive way of uh, the legal basis for what we're seeking, what we're demanding. We have a whole series of declarations of affidavits from infectious diseases doctors, from camp directors, from parents explaining the basis for that. So that will be filed in, in just over an hour. And, you know, that will get us to the conversation with the court about the schedule for this. So we're hoping to have a clearer picture of the schedule uh, today, and and hopefully it gets us a schedule where we get heard, right? Camps, we're going to start this week, Wednesday, Thursday, the 24th and the 25th. Right. We're probably the target dates that camp we're looking at, and we're hoping that, that the court is mindful of that and says at least at least give us a hearing by then right. so that, you know, we can we can have a better idea of, of where this is headed. And I keep talking about Camp Missouri, and they've had a big role in all this on the camp side. We should acknowledge, Avi, and I think you'd agree, uh, that the Agudas Israel of America has had a major uh, role on the organizational side, correct? Absolutely, and uh, you know, Agco, the Association of Jewish Camp Operators, which which is the umbrella body, was uh, right. uh, founded and probably run for many years by Mayor Frischman, who uh, so many of us know as sure. the wonderful director of of Camp Aguda Benos for for decades. Correct, and um, and and Agco has been the umbrella under which they're operating now, and and Mayor himself, of course, put in um, a very moving and meaningful. 
declaration, you know, as part of the papers that we'll be submitting in an hour. Avi, thank you very, very much. Fight on. Keep it going. Thank, keep keep on going, you, Avi. You, you keep it up, and you know your 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 listeners, you know, should should keep on making noise about this. Should keep on demanding from our elected officials that we get justice here. That's a hundred percent right. It's one of the reasons, uh, even with the frustration of some of my fans, it's one of the reasons we keep calling out the uh, governor on Twitter and other uh, avenues on a daily basis. Avi Schick, everybody. Uh, he's uh, one of the people leading the fight. You heard what's going on in terms of the legalese and in terms of what we should expect this week. Uh, let's hope the fight continues and continues on until Camp Missora up in Guilford, New York, opens up their campus and all the hundreds of camps in New York State that want to have an amazing summer for their campers and staff, even if it's limited, even if it's with the testing, even if it's with all the regulations and policies that they're going to implement, everything that they're going to do in the safest way possible. Uh, let us hope this continues, this fight, until all the camps are open. Monday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM. 